Jeff's Hustle Like You Broke 2021, recording episode 53. We are stronger than ever, although I say that in reference to our collective unit and not each individual, since we are actually one down today. Sorry to report, Brother Hamilton won't be joining us due to a supposed case of food poisoning. Rest assured he'll be back. No cause for alarm. No need to speculate that he's actually in a D.C. jail cell following the insurgents on our nation's capital. Oh. Gun-toting militia member notwithstanding. (laughs) For the record, I do not believe Brother Hamilton is a domestic terrorist, and I have every reason to believe he is not and was not a part of those festivities. We are recording on January 7 today, so just one day after the insanity. I don't want to dwell on it too much because by the time this episode airs on January 12, I'd imagine a lot more information will come out. Who knows what's going to happen with Dear Leader. But the good news, at least, is Biden has been confirmed by Congress as the next President of the United States. There's just one thing I do want to say, and I'd be remiss if I didn't point this out. I'm sure it will be covered by others between now and when we air. But the reason that I know Brother Hamilton wasn't in DC yesterday is because if there were large men with dark tans present yesterday, then they wouldn't have access to be texting us today and letting us know about their case of food poisoning because they would be dead or in jail. And since there were only a handful of arrests made and only four dead, one by gunshot, three by medical emergency, we can only conclude that the terrorists were overwhelmingly white. Because if this crowd was even 20 to 30% black, you better believe the outcome today would be very different. Brother Banks, any comment? I agree 100%. It was uh, unreal watching it happen and watching their response. But um, those are facts. And unfortunately, they remain facts until this country decides to wake up and see what the fuck it's been doing for the last... How many years? 300 years? Where are we? (laughs) I don't know. Sister Dallas, what say you? Sadly, I say I sadly very much agree. And, um, you know, it reminded me of um, fall of 2019, back those days when we used to do festivals. We were in New York (laughs) doing a hip hop festival. And um, my the artist I worked for was a headliner on a Saturday night. And he wanted to do a party in his compound, which he had all the right to do. And, um, of course, everybody at the party, the, the artist wasn't even there because unfortunately he hurt himself on stage that night. So we, he still wanted his guests to have a good time. And there we were. It was 11 o'clock at night, quiet little. We had a little PA system, but it was outside in a compound. There was a fence around us. There were, we couldn't have been safer. And our party was, our curfew was 1130. And at 11.21, the wonderful New York police force that was on the ground, all 24 of them came into our little tiny compound and surrounded our guests. 
you know, turned off the PA and it was one of the most ugly scenes uh, I've seen in our business. But it yesterday reminded me of that same kind of situation. Had it been, it just would have been so different. And it, it makes me shake to my core and it's so disgusting that um, I find it very hard to even be in this country today because I just think that, you know, we're, somehow we're all part of the same disaster and how do we fix it? And I account every politician that doesn't step down or refute this disaster. I think it's really sad. It's a sad day in America. But um, hopefully some good will come of this. You know, hopefully we, the public will be outraged and will demand better of their politicians that they too elected. Um, and we can just hope something comes good of this disaster. Well, from your lips to God's ears, Again, when we air, it will be January 12th. We can only hope, we can only assume that the world will get better, that this year will improve. We look forward to a productive 2021. We look forward to getting back to work. We look forward to jumping on an actual bus mm. and not just... Our little figurative bus where we have these wonderful conversations. But joining us on the bus today <laughs> is someone I have known for almost 20 years. Now, he got his start on the production side of this business as a runner and a stagehand and a uh, a production assistant for Live Nation in the Boston area. He is from my neck of the woods. He has gone on to tour manage and production manage some very impressive artists. I believe he actually got his start with Peter Wolf of Jay Giles Band. Spent years with Peter, with Jay Giles, since worked with band like Dispatch, band I worked with once upon a time, Group Love also, Young the Giant, Walk the Moon, Camilla Cabello, Love, John Legend, and Brandy Carlisle, among others. So a diverse and interesting list for which he has, for whom he has tour managed, production managed, or both. So... Without further ado, my good friend, Stu Burke, thank you for joining us on the bus today. Hey, all. It's so good to be here with you. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be rolling down this uh, Zoom virtual bus with you. Well, <laughs> we appreciate you playing along. Yeah. We're happy to have you, Stu. You and I have talked a few times lately about what's yeah. going on in the world. I don't know if you want to offer any comments on that or if you want us to just dive in on your career the floor is yours no i mean i i agree with everybody like i i think i think what we've witnessed over the last four years has culminated into something that i think was was tragically foreseen by a lot of us that that should have been taken seriously that wasn't taken seriously and that should have been quelled way before i think i think movements that have happened with the black lives movement matter movement and everything that 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 was um needs to be supported and and you know our industry that gets behind all of these um the folks and stands with the black lives movement and and all of all of the people that are are um in, in a in a situation where where they're being pushed down and and 
sort of oppressed and, and not and and the same standards that that were that should have been applied to this that weren't applied in that situation is just appalling and um and they they we really need to look at at those disparities and figure out how we can do better as a as a country as a people and we all need to come together we're all you know i always say like no matter what what walk of life you're in, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, at the end of the day, we all bleed the same. We're all people. We all feel the same. We all love and hurt and, you know, um, have the same emotions and we all need to just embrace each other. And, you know, and the greatest thing about this country is that we are different and and we can all learn from our differences, you know, and and I think, um, I think we need to come together now and, and, and put aside all these, the crazy rhetoric and, and the things of the, the last few weeks and, and especially of yesterday, January 6th, and, and just make sure we become a better, a better people and move on from that and start building, a, a building the bonds of, of, of being a, an American citizen and being, being U.S. citizens and, and loving each other. So sort of my, my takeaway. There it is. I, uh, I appreciate everything you just said. Tragically foreseen. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, we, we said it ourselves heading up to this, uh, you know, this, this inauguration that, uh, just because Biden was claimed the victor by the news media didn't mean a whole bunch of, uh, dumb fuckery was going to happen between now and then. And, and here we yeah. are. Well, you know, it's like you, you stir things up and, and we've, I think we've all seen it too, just, just in, in terms of doing shows and, and in crowds and, you know, when, when people are separate there, people can be pretty calm when people get into a crowd and get into a, a situation, a little bit of agitation can, can spread quickly and, and can turn, turn violent rather quickly. And all you need is a, a little bit of a, a match onto that uh tinder and there you go you know and it, it's all and, and i think that's what we saw yesterday um so yes sadly so let's move on from that let's look forward to a better day let's talk a little about you Stu. let's oh, go back let's go back to the days when you are a strapping young handsome lad oh boy i hear <laughs> through the grapevine that once upon a time you are actually the lead guitarist in a pop band. Uh, you heard correct, and I think you know because I think we worked together back then. <laughs> but yeah, we—I I was. I was in a. I was in a. I was in a pop band for a little bit, um, which which was a great experience, um, and it was. I never thought I would be in the touring side of things or in the production tour managing side of things. Um, I always, when I set out, I, I, I always wanted to be a sideman and a player. And then, um, and then I, I, I met Peter Wolf and that kind of changed my whole life. And I was, you know, doing the, the, I was telling you, Matt, that, that playing has kind of really informed me on how, how I, I like to be treated and like to treat other people because I've been on both sides of it, you know, of, of being a musician and, and, and then also being someone taking care of musicians. So it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. So full disclosure for our audience, because obviously we're playing a little inside baseball. They don't otherwise know. And I'm not even sure Dallas or banks know. The truth is 
I know firsthand that you were a fantastic young guitar player because I was the agent for your band. Oh, you were. oh, that you were. <laughs> the plot thickens. He was great. He was Aha. great. Insider we got some, we got some, yeah, we got some great gigs through Matt. Matt, you guys, Matt killed uh, it for us. We we worked hard for a few years. You yeah. guys did some some brief we tours. Some, you guys reached yeah. the point where you were selling 1,600 tickets in your yeah. in your home market. I I remember that Avalon show like it was yesterday. Avalon now called the House of Blues House Boston. Of Blues. Yep. And uh, yeah, we're going back a minute, dating myself and Stu. Sorry for that. Um, yeah, but good. here we are. And just tell us a little more before we move on about how you feel like your experience as an artist has informed your process and your perspective as a tour manager and a production manager. Yeah, well, I think, you know, for, for me, just, just being on the road and, and going doing the van tours as a musician and knowing what it's like to be on the road and knowing what it's like, the hard work that goes into it and, you know, being away and, and getting into clubs and humping your own gear and pushing all the, and, and just really doing it the DIY way really kind of helped me when it came to um, working with others and, and also on crews, because I know uh, for me, the biggest thing is, is, respect and and respecting the people that you're working with and having them respect you and being a a team and being a team player and Hmm. being in a band sort of really reinforced that for me that we're all in it together and and so if i was um you know when i'm now when i'm out on the road even if i'm production managing on a brandy gig it's like i'll get in there and push cases and Hmm. do whatever i need to do to help out to to be part of the team. And, and, and I feel like you, you get the best respect by doing that. Mm-hmm. And I, I would never ask somebody to do something I wouldn't necessarily do myself. And I learned a lot of that from playing, um, from, from just, you know, a bunch of time, um, playing in front of nobody and pushing cases to, and doing a, doing a ton of gigs and, and being around a bunch of different people and learning, learning what it's like to like, you know, know how to know how to live on the road with other people. And I think Hmm. all of that informed, informed where I'm at now. Now, I don't know how many of our listeners are actually artists themselves. I'd love to believe there are some, and I'd, I'd love to believe that they are, using our podcast and podcasts like it to educate themselves about what people on the road really do go go through and what we deal with and what our lives are like other than just that of people on the road. But I'm curious, I mean, I'm curious how many artists out there have ever actually done the opposite. How many artists have ever actually spent a day in the life or spent some time doing the the crew gig and seeing what that's like and and how many really have pushed cases and understand that perspective. Um, So I appreciate what you're saying and and the fact that you have. Um, Any other other advice or perspective in that respect that you could impart? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because everything informs where you, where you go. Like I always say where, where you, where you first start out is never where you end up and where you think you're going to, where you think you're going to end up is never actually where you end up. And every experience kind of leads you to something else. So my experience as a player led me, led me down this path um, and and kind of ties into the whole Peter Wolf thing. Cause as I was, 
as I was playing, I was also, um, I was also working with Pete and, um, and there were times where I would do gigs with Pete because he knew I was a player. He used to invite me up to do must've got lost. So I used to sit in and do must've got lost with him, um, on some of his gigs, which was always really fun. And it actually helped me out because when I was in young, the giant, those guys knew that I had played and, um, uh, the guitar player broke his arm and, uh, we were in Nashville and they said, well, Jake broke his arm. We need someone to fill in. And I was like, well, I have some friends in town here that can do it. Cause I was tour managing and production managing at the time. And they said, well, you're, you're doing it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and they were like, they were like, we're going to cancel all the dates if you don't do it. And I'm like, all right, I'll do it. So I, I had like, I think it was like eight hours or so to learn like six or seven songs and went into the, their, uh, the studio that they were using with their producer and ran down the songs. And then two days later, I was at Firefly F- Festival and in front of 40,000 people playing with this band that I had been tour managing it was wild but but that's but all but all that to say like all that experience kind of came into play just from my years of playing now wait a second i mean <laughs> I can't, you can't you can't you can't just skate <laughs> over that yeah yeah it's, it's almost like you just buried the lead i, I mean yeah. uh, your resume yeah. doesn't even make reference to this so you actually played guitar as part of the band yeah. At not only Firefly, but on tour for a number of weeks for about a month and a half. Yeah, so we we did we did. <laughs> wow, it was hilarious. We did so we did Firefly, and then we did a uh, their a headlining gig in Connecticut, uh, and then they were off. We had a two week break, and I was told um, that uh, Jake would be coming back. So I was like, "Cool, that's great." I you know I really want him to come back and. Um, but it turns out the break was worse than we all thought. So he had to be home for a month and a half and we were going out supporting Kings of Leon. So <laughs> wait a second. So you were yes. the opener for Kings of Leon on an arena tour. Uh, it was a shed, shed tour. Yeah. Shed tour. Yeah. And you didn't want to tell anybody this. Nobody no. knows. This. So no, I, I've been kind of keeping it to myself. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, but I, yeah, <laughs> it was huge. funny because I, you know, I would, I would literally, I would call, I would say, go audio, go house lights, take the radio off, hand it to our guitar tech. He would hand me a guitar and I'd walk out on stage. And the funniest <coughs> thing is when the set was over, I would hand him the guitar. I'd unplug the amp and I'd turn around and I'd start pushing the amp off stage. <laughs> and then I'd just go back on stage and like start taking more gear off and then getting the band settled backstage. And then I'd go and settle with the promoter and, you know, deal, deal with the rest of my day. Okay. Here's now what I want to know. Hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah, please. Did you get paid more? Yeah. Did Hello. you make I extra mean, money? They, Cause that's all that help, really they, matters. <laughs> they helped me out. Yeah. The hustle like we broke. Second. That's all that we care they about. Did you make more money? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all Kyle yeah. cares about for sure. Oh. I, I gotta look out for my brother. I gotta look out for my brother. He's not I here today. He wants to know. That is definitely an important amazing guys. But wait a second. I have to ask. So, you it didn't cross your mind to you know appoint a coordinator as a temporary TM or PM or something. You just did. You were the tour I, manager, the production yeah. manager, and the lead guitarist yeah, for yeah. Peter Wolf 
on tour with Kings of Leon for a month. Well, later. it was with it was with Young Young the, the Giant. Giant actually. Yeah, it was with Young the Giant. Oh, I'm sorry, even opening for Kings of Leon. Yeah, it was Young the Giant opening with Kings of Leon, and you know, because we we the band, you know, they didn't have the money to bring anybody else on. So it was like at the time it was we we were we were you know we were pretty shoe strapped. So they, um, but it was it was great though. I mean, it was funny because the funniest thing was so uh, um, fi- at Firefly we loaded in at eight in the morning and um, and set everything up um, and ran through a few things. And the band were were in the dressing room tent, and I'm working on the tunes, and I'm like practicing away. And I remember Samir came in. He's like, "Hey, can, can you like, can you keep it down a little bit?" He's like, "We're we're talking with Chance the Rapper." And I, I was like, I was like, "So I gotta practice." I'm like, "I gotta like, I gotta work on this shit." Like, oh, no breaks, so man. That's how it works. You get no yeah. no breaks. Yeah, no breaks. That was, it was pretty. That cool. is unreal. Did yeah. anything happen like in the course of you playing for a month and a half where you had to like, okay, I gotta go run. Do something, or are you just like I hear about Wait, it when I'm over. When me, I'm done, somebody else take this solo. I gotta go yeah, take care. I of gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta put this fire out. Well, in fact, no. I mean, the only the only thing we we did a festival um, in Cincinnati where um, where it was pouring rain and um, the pedal boards just got soaked, and uh, and that was like the only the only the only time where anything actually where I was like, okay, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play with you guys today. I might have to go and deal with all this other stuff. But they were like, you could do that later. Like, wow, you, you're playing. And like, all right. Fucking Cincinnati. I mean, yeah. right. Yeah. That's that. I mean, talk about earning the respect of your band and, uh, and giving yourself a gig and a reference, <laughs> a reference for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, our TMPM, you know, he just jumped on stage and, sat in for our lead guitar player for six weeks on tour because, you know, we didn't want to bring anybody else in. We just figured, fuck it. He's not doing enough. He can play guitar too. It's not doing enough. It was great. I mean, but the thing, and the thing about those guys, like, so, I mean, the young design guys, they're, they're family to me, you know, they're, I, I would jump through fire for them. They are just the, the, they are the sweetest, nicest, um, kindest people you would you'll ever meet um, just salt of the earth people and mm. uh, and 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 traveling and I I got really lucky too with them because I I started with them I got a call from their manager who is a friend of mine actually from working uh, in Boston when I was a runner he was a security guard and uh, he he used to manage a band that used to open up for the band that I was in uh, and um and he started managing bands and then had this band young the giant and i moved to new york he called me up and he said hey i have this band there they're missing everything and i was on the road with giles at that time and they were off the road and he just said are you available and i, I said yeah he's like can you come down to the mercury lounge and check them out and i was like sure uh that was a friday saturday i was in the in the label with them and sunday we were on the road for a year and a half in a van and trailer Wow. And then, and, and that was right before, that was like the year before my body, um, kind of mm-hmm. hit on the radio. Mm-hmm. So it and it was great. I remember there was a conversation that we, I had with them where we were driving some like massive snowstorm and we're driving and, 
And they were like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to happen. We might go back to school. And I was like, I don't know. I'm seeing like we're, you guys are starting to like switch rooms now. You're going from the 500 caps to the 800, 900 caps. And then now you're going to like the 1500 to 2000. I think things are going to be all right. I think mm-hmm. you'll be in a bus by this time next year. And sure enough, they were in a few buses by that time. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, so it's just the power of stay, staying with it. Well, let's so let's stick stick with Young the Giant for a minute because I'll be honest, they definitely had the you know a good run for a number of years. I feel like yeah. I haven't heard from them in a few years. And again, looking at your resume, it looks like you haven't been with them for a few years. What's going on yeah. with them? They're uh, so they're, they're writing a new record. I think they have a new record coming out um, when once we all come back. Um, they put out a record lot two years ago, I believe. And they were touring on that. They were doing sheds. Um, yeah, I I got a call. So I had this thing happen. It was really weird. I, the band was kind of off. My dad had just passed away. I was in South America, and I got a call, um, and I had to go home. And um, and so and and when my dad passed, it kind of changed everything because I wasn't sure where my family was at. I thought you know I might need to to do a few things. So at that time I got a call from walk the moon and it was, it was at a time where I needed to make a change and um, it just to, to sort of advance and myself and, and shut up and dance was huge. And I was, I was, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to go and do this. Um, And so I, I moved on from young, the giant, although they remain to this day, those guys are family and always will be. Um, but I moved on to young, uh, to walk the moon and, um, and yeah, was with, with them for a while. So that was kind of like, um, we, we, we part of, and, and I remember the last gig with young, the giant was really heartbreaking. We were, we did Bunbury and I remember the drummer and I like went over to the drummer and, and, and he was like, you know, are we ever going to see you and work with you? And it was, it was really like, it was really tough, but, but every, there comes a point in everybody's life where you have to make certain decisions that are mm. sort of greater than yourself, mm. you know, um, for, for sort of the, the betterment of the people that you're with or, or your own, your own future and things like that. And, and that was one of those sort of moments for me that was just, I had to take a step back and say, okay, I can't, as much as I love this, I need to, I need to make a move. And so I think that's one of the yeah. most important things in this business is to know when to walk away from something, you know, because yeah. you do have that desire to strive in a certain direction, but sometimes the cards aren't there or for whatever reason and capturing that ahead of time and segueing is key to success, yeah. I think. Or or yeah. being too comfortable in a situation. Absolutely. Some people, we, we get so comfortable and we're so locked in. You said they're family. So it's a different yeah. dynamic, you know, and going into something else and stretching and having to you know, go into Be another area that you're not comfortable. Exactly. It's like, ah, yeah. when do I leave? Well, when do I, yeah. And I think that's how you learn too. Right. Cause like, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I I'm in a constant state. I, I want to learn more. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I want to push myself and do things that I haven't necessarily done before or, you know, and it's very hard, I would say to learn because a lot of times we're not working with our peers. You know, our right. competition is, you know, it's so varied because realistically there's only one of us on every tour. It's not as though, and you're very fortunate to learn from someone better than you. You know, if you're lucky enough to apprentice for somebody 
who's so much better skilled, but it's rare. It really is rare. Yeah. I mean, I always encourage people to find those mentors yep. in, in this industry and, and, and try and learn from those folks. I mean, I, I had some great mentors growing up. Um, and, and to this day, like Wolf is, is still, I, I talk to him constantly and we, you know, he's one of those guys that's just like, if they need to ask advice or whatever, he's, he's got it. And, and he's got the old school advice, mm. you know, he's got like, he's got the real deal. Like, yeah. you know, keep your eyes open because you're going to be walking into this, this and this, you know? Um, and through him, I got to meet some other mentors that have been there that are just, you know, without those people and, and, and others that are in the, in the industry that we're all, we all know, and we're all contemporaries of each other. And, and, and we all learn from each other. And like, there um, I, I, on the legend gig, I fill in for a friend of mine, Chris Steinbrink. So I do, he does some gigs and then I'll cover for him and what, and then we've been doing that for the last like four years or so. And, you know, he's one of those guys, like, we'll talk about it all the time. Like, you know, certain ways of doing things. He's like, man, I can't believe you're doing this and how you're doing that. It's, it's like, I never would have thought to do that. I'm like, man, I never would have thought to do the stuff you did. That's great. And we like, you know, I, I, I like that sort of camaraderie of it. Um, and learning from each other. There's always, there's always things to learn and, and ways to improve. And, um, and I, I think if we get set in our ways and complacent with where we're at, then, then that's when the, um, the uh, um, sort of the, that feeling of like, I, I'm either, I'm either too good for this or, or don't tell me what to do or any of that stuff. And it's yeah. not, you know, we're, I, I, I think we're all, we're all in that position where it's, it's great to learn and great to push yourself. So. Well, it's interesting. You say that I, I, I wanted to stay with the production and tour management for, for another minute, but, but really yeah. a lot of what you've done has been education focused. You've done some lecturing at Berks, Berkeley college of music and, you know, you talk about mentorship. We are big believers in mentorship here. It's funny that you talk about sharing of information with a, a fellow production manager, because really there's very little of that in my experience in terms of peer to peer Dallas. You're talking about the importance of peers being out on the road and, and the reality that there often isn't. I find in my experience, and perhaps you think different, I'd love to hear that you do that there really isn't a whole lot of peer to peer exchange of information in terms of let's talk about the way we do this and figure out a more efficient model. I think that there's a lot of talk now during COVID about people coming together, you know, be it via showmakers, be it via these, the new touring professional Alliance um, where people are starting to talk more, you know, roadies of color United um, in terms of collaboration and, you know, helping each other, you know, to get gigs and make referrals and what have you, but there really isn't a lot of peer sharing. And, and historically, I think that starts with the fact that and stems from the fact that there isn't a lot of touring taught at a primary school level, at a college level, at, at any level, but you've done some of that at Berkeley. So share some of your experience with that. Yeah. So, well, I, I mean, I, um, just, just to touch on your point too, I, I think, I think there was a, there was a, a feeling from, from, from that at some point from certain folks, maybe that, that gigs are in jeopardy if other people know too much, you know, or mm -hmm. your, your gig might, 
somebody might step into your gig if you give them X, Y, and Z. And I, I personally don't subscribe to that. And as you're saying, like I, I like to help people out and, and I feel like there's enough gigs out there for everybody. And there's enough, you know, like if, if we, if we have information, it's better to pass it on to people and have them learn and they'll be better than hopefully we are then. And they'll do things that they come in and, and help the next generation of, of those folks. Um, yeah, I've been, so I've been speaking in a class at Berkeley, um, in a music management class. Um, it, they, they bring in different people to talk about different subjects in music. And, and it's always really interesting that the, the, the questions are interesting. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize that, that touring is actually a viable way to make a living and, and that it's not a, it's not a quote unquote circus anymore and that it is an actual, it is a sustainable business. And that, that's something that we all love and we love to do, you know, and it's like some, and I don't think that a lot of these people realize how hard it is. Like, and you know, it's funny that you, you always say like, uh, someone says, well, it's so great traveling the world. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. I love traveling the world. I love being in all these cities ask me how many times I've walked around a city, you know, on a day off because I'm in a hotel room working to make sure the next few gigs are, are all set, you know, and maybe I'll get out for lunch and I'll, I, I always, I always say like, I, I know all the cities I want to get back to on a vacation one day, you know, um, because I, I don't personally get to see a lot of it, but, but I, I love it. And I, I do love travel. And, um, and I think I think the that aspect of mentorship is a really is a really key. It, it would help me out a lot, um, and I'm I'm just happy to try and pass it on to other people. Um, I, I started working. I, Matt, I think I told you this. I started working with this group, even um, which is trying to bring in um, a uh, a diverse group of people, starting from the high school level, and giving training and. Um, um, tools to be able to get into this industry mentorship and jobs and things like that. And because I do think, and I think COVID is kind of shine shown a light on how fragmented we all are, you know, in this industry. Fragmented so or get, just like not the same, whatever. <laughs> well, let's get back to yeah, even I mean, in a minute. I want to ask you yeah. more about that, but, but sticking yeah. with the education for a second, you know, you yeah. and I talked about this offline, the other day in terms of how you get more young people interested. I, I, I stand by my belief that if we could kind of revamp the way that the messaging about the concert industry is sold to young people, and we can tell them that they have this incredible opportunity to travel the world and work in a booming technology business as an audio engineer, as a lighting engineer, as a video producer, or what have you, that more young people would be proud to run home and tell their mother, hey, mom, when I graduate college, I'm going to go work in the music industry and I'm going on tour with us and such. And maybe she'd be proud instead of saying, you're what? You're going to join the fucking circus after we spent how many hundreds of thousands of dollars? You want to be a carny? Are you kidding me? So, I mean, how do you suggest we do that, though? You sat with these young people face to face. I mean, I understand you weren't even wearing masks at the time, although that is hard for all of us to imagine. But I mean, <laughs> tell us what that I mean, what do you think? How do we sell that? How do we tell people? How do we convince them that this is, you know, a legitimate booming industry? 
I mean, honestly, I, I think it starts with the tr- with with getting people involved from an early age. You know, getting people involved in high school, getting getting them involved on a local level with their with the venues that are there, with the promoters that are there, with the artists that come through town. Getting them getting them into mentorship programs and and creating the curriculum in schools. Um, where where it can be a viable option. I mean, there's you know I think the the interesting thing about the education in 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 our our society is that it's very much test based and all that stuff. And and I think for me as a musician growing up, um, all I wanted to do when I was a kid was play music. I could care less about school. If I had something in in high school where it was like a program about learning how to be an audio engineer. I mean, we have tech schools for for certain industries and we should have a tech school for, for, for touring, you know, and, and it should be programs implemented in schools at just along with, you know, music programs should be a production program, Mm. um, learning about audio, learning about lighting, learning about theater. I mean, you have, you have theater programs in school, which sort of touch on lighting and audio, but they're, they're not, they're not as well, um, staffed or well taught or well um, funded, even though. What's that? Funded. I mean, you know, that's funded. An issue. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, kids absolutely. don't even get PE nowadays, let alone arts programs. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely it challenging. But I think I think you're right. I mean, I I remember when I when I was when I first started touring, my parents were like, "What the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're never going to make a living doing this." And even when I started touring it, and and actually, you know, uh, being on the road on the production side and, and making a living for myself. I had family members that were like, do you need help? Like, you, <laughs> what a nice family. Sure? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wait, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. Like I'm making a living. I, I, you know, it's, it's okay. I can make my rent. Everything's cool, you know, but, but, but there's that thing. And, and everybody, there isn't the thing too, is that, that that's really tough is there isn't one way to get into touring and music and all that stuff right just like artists and and getting into music on the artist side there there isn't really one set way of getting in on the touring side everybody has their own way of coming into this and i think i think um you know i i think there has to be more open paths to get in with a little more help for people um you know sound girls has been doing a really cool thing um where i was out with vance joy and we we would um we would bring uh, sound girls in and it was a great program. They'd come in for the day, they'd shadow me and then they'd shadow our guitar tech or shadow our front of house engineer and people that wanted to learn and were super interested. And, um, we, we need more programs like that, that can really, you know, show that there is a side of the industry because the one thing that's going to happen after COVID is there's going to be a lot of, a lot of tours going out and there's going to be fewer crew that can staff it. Um, which is going to be tougher on the artists um, <laughs> and the people working and the people working. Yeah. I mean, it's all around. I mean, there's going to be, you know, it's going to be quite an interesting thing. I know so many tours that are going out and I know so many crew folks who have taken other gigs and they're just not going to be able to go back on the road. Tours I'm going curious. out, you say? Who, what are these? Yeah, right. what, is, what is this foreign thing you speak of? <laughs> tours. <laughs> well, I should say, let me clarify. Yeah, please do. Of, please I, do. Know, I know a lot of tours that are booking oh, in hopes that they're going to be going out. <laughs> uh, 10-4. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a hopefulness that I think is uh, for the summer or fall. Whether that happens is yet to be seen. 
um, I'm hoping that with Biden coming in from the top down, you know, the vaccine distribution will get better and we'll be more on a path to get back out there. Got it. 2022. Okay. Hopeful for 21, but probably 22. Hey, I appreciate your wishful thinking. I, uh, I certainly hope. Gotta be uh, optimistic. Gotta be optimistic. I appreciate everything that you're saying. So one thing we haven't even mentioned yet is that you were one of the brains and the brawn behind the level up festival so let's talk a little bit about that Uh, tell us about the mission tell us about some of the experience tell us about some of the primary players involved give a little credit give a little shine to all those working behind the scenes the hustlers that we celebrate let's start yeah yeah so so um yeah thanks for bringing that up um yeah level up stands for uh live events lift up um we kind of came together in april i think it was about april um, it was born out of part of the live event coalition and part of uh, a thing I was involved with called live from nowhere. Um, and we, we kind of came together as myself, um, Suna Ravier, who's an amazing production designer, Seth Robinson, who's also amazing, uh, production designer, lighting designer. He's, he's on the TV side and an amazing inventor. Um, Eileen Valois, Shannon Cook, um, Filet Mignona. Um, wait, what? Filet, you know, filet, yeah, no filet. Stop, filet is awesome. Uh, With a name like that, I'm sorry, Lawrence. Well, his name is Lawrence, 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 Lawrence Lawrence Mignona, but we all call him filet. All right, Uh, yeah, and Shannon Cook from Tortec. Um, so we all, uh, Alexandra Rumbach on the uh event side, um, we all kind of came together with this desire to try to help the industry, um and put on a benefit to raise money for people that were out of work. And, and we had three beneficiaries, um, music cares, the roadie clinic and, um, CMA, uh, EDU. And, um, so we, we wanted to fund help fund folks through music cares help on the mental side of uh, mental health side of things. Um, and we wanted to try and give back to the, the education. Um, so we put on a benefit at the, it was held live at the Ryman, we had uh, 70% pre-records and then eight acts that were live. Um, it was a massive undertaking, that, but it was so much fun. And, and uh, we raised a good amount of money for people. And, and we actually, the great thing was we, we put a lot of people back to work. We had 110 crew folks there. We used uh, Go West Creative. Um, was doing all the um, video and they, they handled uh, David Fischette was our executive producer. Um, and so we, uh, we got to bring back a lot of freelancers and employ people and, and pay them for, for their time. And so that was, that was great. And how did you cope with the COVID issue? So we tested, we had a great partnership with complete health partners, um, out of Nashville and they, we did PCR tests and antigen tests. Everybody, everybody that came in, we, we did three days at the Ryman. Um, the first two days were rehearsal, uh, camera blocking. Third day was the show. So we did P for anybody that came on site for the first day, we did PCR test. Um, if they were coming back on the second day, they would get an antigen test. And then the third day they would get an antigen test again. Um, and, uh, and that worked really well. 
we, we had no issues with COVID. Everybody was COVID compliant. We had three COVID officers on site that were keeping everybody separate. We had separate zones. Um, catering was lunched, uh, box lunches. Everybody had to eat outside. Um, there, ha- there were designated areas. Um, and uh, yeah, we pulled it off. It was, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Did you allow for drinking beverages in the building? Uh, no, we, you had to be in a designated area. Um, you had to be in a designated area and you had to be, if you were going to go like every time I went for a drink, I always grabbed the drink and I went outside. Um, and I was, you know, away from everybody. Um, it was uh, dressing rooms were three people to a dressing room only. If you had more than that, you had to uh, rotate people in. It was it was quite an undertaking. And the crazy thing was, we had a we had a whole we had a whole choir that was there. So they had the upstairs balcony socially distanced, and we kept everybody safe on that level. It was yeah, we took safety to a, a and the you know I the Ryman had had their protocols, and we just felt like we needed to up it. Interesting. And, That's an interesting part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I think that because I think this is part of the problem as we move forward is that there, I mean, I'm preaching the choir, but since there are no mandates, since it's not the same throughout the country, we will continue to battle this yes. stupidity until there's an absolute and it needs to be an absolute. And I well, think it's, it's a shame that the venue didn't meet, try to meet a higher standard. Yet it's great well, that you guys came to the table and said, you're not meeting that standard. We're going to meet a higher one. So let's go. So, so let's There's talk a little more about that standard. Dallas, I, 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 I share your concern and frustration with those that aren't treating this with the level of respect that it demands. But Stu, can you offer any suggestions or any lessons learned on how we should be approaching, you know, the use of zones, you know, moving forward, there's going to be a period, say we are back to work this, let's say summer, although I'm not, I'm not counting on it, but let's say everybody's vaccinated, but we're still wearing masks. More than likely we are still going to have to try to be working in zones of some sort you know the esa from very beginning digby and them i give them a ton of credit for recognizing very early on the one of the first suggestions that resonated in their reopening guide months and months ago was that you know departments should stick to departments i think it was groups of not more than six working together in their pods or what have you. Um, But I mean, are there other lessons that you can share any suggestions that you have, you know, looking ahead as a production manager when we're out and, and also this is kind of another question, but along the same lines, I mean, what does that mean for touring? Are we, are we going to be able to actually tour or are we realistically only looking at a series of one-off events for a specified period of time in order to get past this shit. I mean, I think, I don't know. I've I've done a lot of thinking about that and I'm curious to see if it's going to make more sense for an artist to do smaller venue over more days, keep people in the same area, you test every day, do all that stuff and, and really make, make things as safe as possible versus, you know, load in, do your show, load out, go to the next city, same thing. Residencies, you know, effectively. Be, 
it, pretty much residencies. Yeah, four or five day residencies, and then move on. Kind of, kind of what a lot of theater troops do. Um, and then you test every day and things like that. I think there's, you know, I, on the there's so many there's so many points of contact, and there's so many there's so many different things to that you're going to have to control with this, you know, um, from when you step off the bus, you're off the bus, you're not coming back, take everything you need. You can't be coming in and out of the bus. This is if we don't have vaccines and all that stuff, you can't come in and out of the bus, you're off the bus, you're in your zone. Stagehands need to be there all day. You can't, we can't be having stagehands go home and who knows where people go. And then, you know, it's just it, things like that are, are going to have to be taken into consideration. And also if you test, which I'm a big proponent of testing, whether it be a 15 minute antigen test or a 30 minute PCR test, um, that's going to push your, your call times and that's going to push your labor calls, your costs, all of that stuff is just going to go way up. And it, and it does become a lot more intense, you know, as far as um, bringing people in and making sure that they have an ample time to, to, get all that testing. I feel like it's irresponsible. Maybe irresponsible is not the right word, but I feel like we should be testing if we're going to be back out there, mm -hmm. at least for everybody that comes in during the day, um, test everybody, keep everybody in zones, um, keep, you know, your lighting crew, keep to your lighting crew, it, keep people in their groups so that there's less cross contamination. Lighting folks should come in and do lighting. Audio folks will then need to come in and do audio, let the lighting folks go and have their break until there are things like that that's gonna have to get worked out. So we're not we're not doing a lot of crossing on the stage with people that we don't necessarily know. Um I don't you know, it's it's gonna be a tough call of how we do this safely, effectively, and cost effectively, right? That's the other big piece of it. Um I want to agree with you, although what I just heard you know, was of course the cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching escalating cost, which sure. makes me think that artists that sell fewer than four or 5,000 tickets per market won't be it. supportable. Yeah. There's, there isn't a financial 100%. model that allows them to work. Um, yeah. And yeah. the, the artists that do sell more than that are accustomed to making so much more in general, in previous years and on past tours, that they're going to have to be willing to, you know, live with this model to get out on the road. And that, you know, reduces the number of artists that might otherwise tour this fall from the, you know, 60 globally, not 600, but 60 globally that might have done it to okay. 20. So maybe there's 20 artists that are willing and able to go out and do a series of residents in this country or in this world by fall. Is there more I mean, than that? Real, real, <laughs> I mean, realistically though, the artists that the bigger artists are probably going to be waiting till 2022. I mean, any arena act is probably not going to be going out till 2022. In my opinion, uh, I'm, I think, I think, I think everybody's hoping, I know there's, there's tours that are, are um, probably putting, dates up they're probably selling tickets and, and everybody's trying to push for that but realistically I, I until we until we get enough people vaccinated i just think the model is going to be really hard okay um, okay wait a second so i agree with you 
But we we started with if you sell less than four or five thousand tickets, there isn't a model that works financially. Now we're ruling out anybody that can sell more than well, seventy no, five hundred tickets until next year. Who's touring well, this fall? I mean, I, I that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know who's touring this fall. A lot of bands. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know. Tours that I was supposed to be on are not going to be going out. So I, I don't know. Um, I know there's a lot of bands that are are, are hoping to go out um, from promoters that 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 I've talked to I don't know who those bands are but the promoters that I've talked to have bands that are slated to go out I've saw a Red Rocks put out a schedule for 2021 um and uh yeah I mean it's such a hard call like I think I think if we can get back out there safely I know like you know people like Jason Isbell are out there doing drive-in shows and they're they're making it work and uh, are they though I mean, they they've made it work for them. You know, it's like they. But I mean, it, I, I mean, I don't know. We're not looking at the numbers. You know, I don't know. But is it real? I mean, it, I, is it sustainable? I don't think so. Yeah. Is it is it is it good for that artist and gets them sure. to a place? Yeah. I but think, I mean, I it, think it's work for them. Is it is it sustainable for the promoter? I don't, I don't think so. I know the Live Nation. You know, from what I've heard, the the Live Nation shows, driving shows. Um, either broke even or, or didn't lying. even make it. Yeah. So, so I think it's a tough, I think it's tough. I think it's a tough model. I think there's nothing until, until we get the, until we can hundred percent get the vaccine, I think it's going to be really tough. But I think, I think we, if we're talking about, Hey, we want to get back on the road, we want to do shows. Th- I think then, yes, w- people are just going to have to do it. We're going to have to test. We're going to have to, you know, add in those things. And, and there's going to have to be that trade off with, certain artists do they is the risk for them and their touring crew and their fans is that what they want to do or and and put in the measures that they need to put in i could tell you that it it costs a lot of money to test well here's my other question here's the other question what's you know what i never hear anybody talk about is let's say the crew member does get sick what is the recourse then? And who is paying exactly. for that? Because no one's talking about yeah. that. And I think for many of us, especially those of us that are freelancers, we already get gutted with stupid insurance. Yeah. I mean, if you're not luck, if you're, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to definitely for myself, I pay extortion amount of money on stupid health insurance because I'm a female and I'm at a certain age group and all this bullshit. I'm a hundred percent healthy, but that's irrelevant on the markers is the way they do the business. And I think that, um, it's a curious question that I've not heard anybody address, yeah. which is should us should one of us get sick? What yeah. who's paying for that and how do we deal with yeah. that? That's a good question. And also what happens like, you know, who are your backups? Let's say your driver gets sick. Boom. Let's say your truck driver gets sick. What about your monitor engineer? What about your monitor engineer? What about <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, all these people. Yeah. You can have backups or we did a we did a thing in, in Los Angeles for um and and some we had a we had back we had planned for backups and somebody was asymptomatic and um you know called up the backup and said hey you're you're in mm-hmm. you're pinch hitting and and that's yeah no, wait I mean, a second wait I a mean, second that- so it's it's not just one person though right so if the monitor <laughs> engineer is on the road and gets covid everyone well, that, that, the that, whole tour everybody. shuts yeah. down for no, exactly they're right? they're supposed to they're supposed to there are a lot of instances now where they're not shutting down because there's too much money already invested so what they're doing now is they're just having a backup for a backup for a backup and they keep well, going I, 
And everybody I, else I, shuts their mouth yeah. and says, I want to well, get yeah, will... No, no, no. Yeah, literally, I something I just did recently, and there were several people that came down with COVID. Yes, yes. After getting I, I... tested quite often. Brother Ben, you're scooping people. us like this isn't a thing. Tell <laughs> I, us I will, more. I, I, yeah, I, I will say, though, I will say, though, the, the stuff that I was doing, um, we were testing where they were tested in their car. They weren't around anybody. Mm-hmm. So when they came up positive, they were they were in a car by themselves, <laughs> not around anybody. So this is so so the touring, I think I think, Matt, you're right, because this was a this was a video shoot. This was not a an actual show show. So it's a video shoot. Everybody got tested in their car. You waited your 15 minutes. If it came back uh, positive, you were given another test. And then if that came back positive, you weren't allowed to come in. And in a one-off situation, I can appreciate that, but I'm talking yeah. in the context of a tour. In, Banks, in touring, I suspect yeah. Banks, what you're referring to was more of a situation yeah. where you were probably in rehearsal. Yes, people have been there. Yeah. You're seeing these people on a regular basis, and everybody's yeah. getting tested every day. And it's like, oh, that person just tested positive. Oh, that person just tested and then, positive. It, and you know damn well people are taking safety breaks. You know what I mean? Like, what's going yeah, on yeah. there? Come on. I yeah. Mean. yeah, yeah. And that, that's the other thing, too. Like, when you talk about the residencies, it's like you still have to be in a bubble. You can't go out of that bubble. So now you're right. having to pay money to keep people in a bubble. Yeah, and you got to eat you shitty know, hotel that, food or whatever. It, well, now there's the no hotel food anymore. Problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there you yeah. go. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. know. I have been landlocked and house locked for many months now. I mean, sorry, yeah, Chris. I, mean, there, I think there's going to be a <laughs> lot of changes. I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the what we all adapt. And, and I think Matt, to your point, there's a lot of different organizations out there that have a lot of different ideas about how to reopen. And how to get back to doing what we need to do, and um, and it's it's almost like which 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 one do you follow? There's a lot of great things. I, I saw I saw a Live Nation reopening plan, and 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 that had some good points in it, and um, and then obviously the ESA one. I know you have one. There's lots of different people out there. It's um, we need to get our, we need to be uniformed, and I I honestly think that there's going to be more directive after January 20th. I think we'll have more of a sense of, of a one united country uh, when it comes to dealing with COVID and how we're going to move forward. Because if you think about it, if, if we are all back and you're on a bus and you're traveling from state to state, you, you know, now you're spreading COVID across state lines. Absolutely. So it's like, it has to be a federal, it has to be a national plan or otherwise we're never going anywhere. Yeah, and we could speculate all we want, and we could we could talk about how we're going to do it. But I think I think we do need that directive from from a federal level. Yeah, you know that that will give guidance to everybody else. Yeah, there there has to be some format that we all follow because every production has a different format. It's like everything. Right. Goes, it's like wait, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. Are you guys doing that? That doesn't seem safe. <laughs> you know, right. it's like it's But that out of then requires I mean, federal mandate or not, it's going to take a Live Nation or a company like that to say all our shows are going to happen this way and everyone right. needs to act accordingly. And do they want to do they have an insurance carrier that's going to sign off on their plan that says, "Yes, do it this way. You're good." And you know, are they going to be comfortable with that? To me, I'm not sure that they, from a number standpoint, are going to want to do that. But the one model that I've heard and that I believe 
could work, although I'm still not sure how you move it from place to place, is you take an artist that would otherwise sell a mid-size amphitheater, four, five, six, seven thousand tickets, and you book them into a large amphitheater with some distancing measures in place. It's outdoors. You can spread it out. Live Nation makes their money off of the advertising in these biz- these buildings. So there's a way to make their numbers work. There's a way for those artists to get theirs. There's a way to employ people. You're wearing masks. You're following distancing measures. You do have to create those pods. I mean, we know with the NBA bubble, they did the best job of anybody yeah. in terms of creating a bubble. And yet players were still... Of bringing, you know, young women in and out. And they were, there were, you know, a lot of them were following the rules and how they were doing it. Um, but the ones that were, were willingly saying, I'm not going to see my wife or my kids for X number of weeks or months. And the ones that weren't were the younger kids who are like, well, fuck it. This girl on Instagram is slamming and I'm going to bring her in. And we know that that's, and, and, they are that much more organized than we as a concert industry because we don't have an NBA governing body to oversee what we're doing. Is Live Nation going to take on the responsibility of creating that bubble? If they don't, who will? I don't know that there's an answer. This is a rhetorical question. To me, that's what it comes down to. I can see a financial model in a certain type of circumstances, but there's still no way to to ensure the safety and security of that bubble. And the level of testing that you're talking about, I just don't know that it's sustainable or affordable. I think it's going to be, if you got the vaccine, cool. Or a vaccine book or a passport of sorts. It's going to have to come down to that. Don't forget it's, yeah, exactly. And it's also, don't forget the fans too, right? It's like, you know, we're talking about the bubble for us, but it's the fans as well. So, So you're going to have to bring fans in you're going to have to bring fans your your day is going to get shorter because you're going to have to bring fans in earlier to keep everybody socially distanced so there's there's a lot of things like that and and but I do agree like I've seen the ticketmaster idea which is that you could buy a ticket if you have your your code that says you've been vaccinated or that you recently had a test and right. you came back negative whatever whatever that model is and I, I, honestly that's probably going to be what it's going to be down to you. and then you got to think about okay well are there people that are going to say you know, get up in arms about that. But for me, it's, it, to me, it's just like, whatever we need to do to get back, I'm willing to do. Mm-hmm. I think, you know what I mean? However we need to do that. Of course. I think all of us are kind of in that spot. Exactly. But I think exactly. that's interesting. Let's say, let's take Grammys, you know, they've already postponed to March. Um, you know what? And when I think about just check in at the Grammys, I mean, you know, all of us have been there. All of us have dealt with that. Like how do they even begin to try to, blend that into the whole bigger picture i mean they they add more people like when did the amas they they just separated there was only one artist allowed in the building at one time and even in your camp you had to have a reduced amount of people right and your guests are not coming backstage you cannot have the entourages or anything like that yeah you know a grammys in msg type situation is literally not possible because that's just you know, that's challenging and time, you know, takes a ridiculous amount of time and coordination. And we all feel like sardines going up and down the elevator. And like, that's, that's literally not even 
feasible. I think it, I think outdoors is the only way that things can really feasibly truly happen in the relative near future. Although again, maybe Grammys figure something out. Stu, you, you made a good point when I was saying NBA, of course, I wasn't even accounting for the artists or the fans. I was only talking about the, the artists and their teams. You know, the NFL is a better example where there are certain teams that are allowing people into the stands. But again, it's 20, 30% at most. And their revenue comes from television contracts. It does not come from the game. It it does not come from the revenue coming through the door through those ticket sales. So again, that is, is another situation which, which doesn't actually transfer and provide us a blueprint or a model. So let's move on. Let's move on and let's get back to even before we wrap for today. So you started to tell us about even and uh, is that an acronym? Does it stand for something? Yeah, so it's the Event Vocational Entertainment Network. Um, so it's basically, um, even is a group of folks, again, Seth Robinson, Sunil Ravier, um, Danielle Edwards, um, who came together and um, uh, to, to try and bring a, um, younger folks coming into the industry and, and bring a more diverse group of people into the industry to sustain the workforce and giving high school kids and college kids training uh, at that level on, um, on the production side of the business. And um, I just, so it, it was an, it sort of started as a offshoot of um, level up and Seth and sooner and Danielle and Veda kind of ran with it. And I, after level up sort of ended, I came back into the fold. So, um, to help them out a little bit and, and be working with them. Cause I think it's just such a great initiative and idea um, to support and, and to help people out. And, and they um, they've teamed up with diversify the stage, which is Noel Skaggs's um, organization. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see where things go, but it's, it's uh it's been really great. Remind me again, Noel's band. Uh, fits in the tantrums. There it is. And is there a website for even? Yeah, I think it's still under construction. I will get that to you. We would Um, love to add that to our resource center. We would love to tell our listeners more about it at another time. I I mean, you've talked about Sooner a couple of times, uh, the overlap with Level Up. She's somebody that we definitely want to get on the program before long. She's amazing. She would, she would love you guys. Yeah. She, Sooner and I, uh, we, we've, we've worked together on a few projects and I, I love her to death. She is amazing. She's an amazing, amazing production designer has a great sense, just an awesome human being. And yeah. Well, Sooner, if you're listening, we want you on the program. Sooner and I actually overlapped on a tour, a sponsored tour that I booked for which she was out as the LD before she became the megastar designer to the stars, et cetera, that she is now. Um, and I would love to reconnect I, I, and uh, get her on the show. Yeah, and, I'll, uh, I'll connect you guys. That, that would be amazing. And among others, and of course, we welcome you to come back to the program uh, as well. To. Love to hear more about what you're doing. Stu, you're one of the good guys. We really oh, appreciate you. you. You not only do good work, you're a good human. You have a good heart. You have the best of intentions. And, and you're looking to the future and thinking about the next generation. And that's all very important to us. Before we let you out of here, we always have a series of quick hits that we ask of all of our guests. 
first up, your first tour. What is it? My, my first tour was Peter Wolf. Peter Wolf and the Jay Giles Band. Uh, well, I guess to, on the production side, um, Avery would have been my first tour on the playing side. It's funny, you didn't mention the name of the band earlier in the program. I wondered if yeah. you were holding it back. Oh, no, no. Just I just dropped I, it yeah, on everybody. That's to keep everybody listening <laughs> on the edge of their seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. A- a- Avery was the name of the band. That's right. Avery with an I. With an I. Well, I I still, you know, think about Chad every once in a while. I do, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of good people in that band. And uh, Absolutely. no one more so than you. It was a good you, experience. For sure. Well, next up, a favorite moment. This is a favorite moment. You don't have to tell us the ultimate moment. Although, if you wish to share or you have one. Please. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. We, we did a gig in Manila and um, uh, we're on the plane flying from Singapore to Manila. Management was on the uh, plane uh, with us and, and uh, was talking to the artist. And the artist says, I want to do a music video for, uh, for his song that, uh, at the arena the next day. This is like 8 o'clock at night and we were loading in at 8 in the morning. In Manila, and so we we in, in Manila. Manila. So we, but they're great promoters there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the and equipment we, is top notch. It was it, it was unbelievable. It actually worked out really well. It was it, it was I, it was fucking awesome. It was we put it all together, got the treatment on the plane, uh, wrote the treatment on the plane, and then made it happen. And it was one of the most special moments that I've ever been a part of with an arena full of kids uh, with this was with the artist loud. It was a song called sad forever. And it, it talks about mental health and the things he was going through. And, and just like the, the, the fact that we were all able to pull it off. Everybody was super psyched about it. Nobody was, was saying it couldn't happen. We were just saying, okay, how do we make, let's make this happen. We can make it happen. And we, and we did. And it was, it was one of the most special moments on tour. Um, it was pretty awesome. Very cool. Hmm. So my favorite question always, if there is any one thing about the industry you'd like to see us change and do better moving forward, what is it? That's a good one. I, I think, um, honestly, I think it's, I think it's having a more diversified um, group of people like bring and being more, more respected respecting each other being being there for each other and being um being more in line with each other and and really coming together as an industry i think would be really amazing um and 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 figuring out ways we can help each other out i'm I'm always i'm always for that i love it i love it so we'll get you out of here on this I, i will admit right here actually i reached out to courtney from the roadie clinic. And I said, oh, you cool. know, Stu, we've had them on the program. They were great. Any of our listeners yeah. haven't heard that one, check it out. We had a lot of fun with Paul and Courtney, but I said, Hey, you guys know, Stu, do you have any funny stories, any anecdotes, anything I can throw at him that would catch him off guard and be right. a curveball?" And I mean, to, to my, much to my disappointment, she said she didn't, but what she said ah. was that, 
you're the nicest guy in the world that she yeah. loves you to death and that she just That's thinks so the world of you. So I wanted to let you know that. I mean, Thanks, you, you are respected and appreciated so much. So we're very happy to have you. And, and as you just said, you know, to be able to share that respect, to be able to give that respect to others, the importance of treating others with that respect on the road, we couldn't agree more. So with that in mind, do you have any shout outs before we go? I mean, I, I, you know, to, uh, to all the Lyle crew, the Brandy Carlisle crew, uh, all the level up folks and, and Paul, Courtney, uh, Chris Lyle over at the TCW. Um, I don't know, just everybody that we all work with. Yeah. All the, all the, the lighting folks and audio folks and just, just everybody that's out on the road, you know, take care of yourself, be healthy, stay well, love each other. And, be there for one another. There it is. Dallas, anything from you today? Hmm. It's been very interesting talking to you, Stu. Thank you. It's great to hear your inspiration. I think you're very inspiring. Um, and I hope that we have a great future this summer, guys. But I'm a little afraid, and I can only hope for the new Presidente to give us some kind of leadership. That's what I got. Brother Keep Banks. wearing your mask. Yes, yes, yes. Just with that, keep wearing your mask. This has not passed because 2021 is here. Not because there's a new president coming in. Keep wearing your mask. Keep washing your hands. And keep reaching out to people. Keep talking to folks, checking on people. I mean, I, I, there's a couple people dropped off the radar. I've had to reach out and see how they're doing. Just stay in contact with people. FaceTime them. Say what's up. You know, have a good conversation. Uh, Everybody needs encouragement right now. So let's just keep yeah, make a date. Energy. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. Make a date with a friend you haven't talked to in a minute. I've done that lately, yeah. and I think it's really yeah. helped. It's totally changed. It's a important. Mood and a, yeah, support is key. And I do think when we don't have that light at the end of the tunnel, because I don't think any of us are seeing that. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right, Chris. Yeah, that's it. Well, and, uh, and I, I just want to add, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You guys are all amazing. It's been so fun talking to you guys and uh, it's good, good reconnecting that and uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully seeing you all out there on the road. That's right. That's right. Let's find ways to work together. Let's find ways to work at all. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Stu, appreciate you being with us. Uh, You know, to all our listeners, you know, keep your head up. All the things we're saying, we have signs of positivity. 2021 is destined to be a better year than the last. You know, we pray for, you know, a a better year. We pray that this new president can make a difference. Democrats now control the presidency, the Congress, the House and the Senate. We have all three branches under control Let's hope that they do a good job with it. Let's hope that, you know, they they find ways to really advance this nation and give people hope. Let's let's look forward to the day that the vaccine is readily available, that everyone can get it, that people are willing to take it, that we can achieve that herd mentality, mentality, herd immunity. (laughs) Um, But let's make sure that we maintain the mask wearing, the hand washing, the distancing. Let's not go congregate in large numbers anytime soon because the reality, the fact remains, the worst of COVID is still ahead of us. 
and not behind us. So stay positive. We're going to get to the other side. We're seeing that light, but we're not there yet. Until the next time, keep listening to Hustle Like You Broke. Check us out online, HLUB Podcast on the gram. Listen to other podcasts. Listen to, you know, all your friends. Remember what it was like. Hit your buddy and say, hey, can you put me on the list tonight? Just to give them a laugh. (laughs) Because we're going to get past this. We're going to get through this. And until that day comes, we want to thank you all. We appreciate you. And uh, until next time, thank you. Good night.